for a little context, I've always been pretty hardcore into the paranormal, maybe a little too much. Because of this, I've always told myself if I encountered something paranormal to either record it or at least see what it is. Mostly because I always hated the guy who drops the camera and runs in the movie or video. I'm currently a 20-year-old male living on Vancouver Island, Canada. My story starts when I was around 13 years old and my ruralish hometown. This one summer, I came up with the idea to go camping on an island that was pretty much within earshot of my house. Two of my friends thought it was a good idea, Josh B and Josh H. All of us were pretty interested in paranormal stuff, but had never really had an experience. The start of the trip was great. We set up our tent, built a fire, and had even ordered some pizza. Something that I should probably add is that Josh B is the son of the native chief of the area that I lived in, and apparently his dad told him before we went that it was a burial ground slash pit stop for bootleggers to hide themselves along with their goods many, many years ago. At the time, we thought nothing much of this, and we just laughed it off. We told some stories and had carved our names into the trees. Time flew, and before we knew it, it was starting to get dark. Around this time, we had the idea to explore the island, so we packed a flashlight and we went on our trip. The island is very small, something that you could walk around in less than an hour, so it didn't take us very long. When we got back was when it got weird. We all came to our tent laughing and making noise like usual. The second we got back to the site, not even a second later, we heard loud footsteps crunching the leaves behind our tent. What sounded like human footsteps. Now, just to clarify, I know every animal that we have here, and so did my friends, and it was definitely not an animal. We then heard more sounds of crunching. We all instantly shut up, but we couldn't see anything because it was dark, and the noise was coming from behind the tent. We chose fight over flight, and we all started yelling out, saying, Grab the knives! over and over again, since we had each brought these little pocket knives that we used for carving. We all rushed in the tent, scrambling for them, as the crunches then got closer. We sat in the tent, clenching our knives, waiting with each passing second feeling like an hour, as the noise grew louder and closer to our tent. I cannot stress enough how vivid and scared we were, and how human-like the footsteps sounded. But whoever or whatever this thing was, it was getting closer, and we were getting more and more afraid. Then my mind started racing. I thought of all the times that I said I would do something if I ever encountered the paranormal. I thought of my friends, and the fact that we were definitely not about to go out like this. The thing had sounded within arm's reach of the tent, and somehow I had built up a split second of courage, yelled some cuss words, and we all hopped out of the tent screaming like apes. We all then started throwing big fire pit rocks in the direction of the noise until our arms got really tired. But there was nothing but silence and darkness. We were all just looking at each other in disbelief, and all of us were visibly chilled to the bone. But here's the thing. This island was too small for any animals that could have made this sound. So we thought maybe it was a homeless person or something. 
but that would mean that he had to swim out there and then somehow get away without any of us noticing. We decided that whatever it was or whoever it was, we didn't want any part of it, and we went to sit on a bluff by the water. We discussed it for hours, just sitting by the water and not wanting to go back. Eventually, around 4 a.m., we had made it back to the tent, but I swear I didn't get a wink of sleep until the sun came up. We never figured out what or who it was, and I know it may not sound like much, but I know what I heard. If it wasn't some ghost or something, it had to either be a large animal or a homeless person, and there are literally no animals on this land except for birds. And like I said, the homeless person thing is a bit of a stretch. All three of us agreed with each other on this. None of us have a clue what it was. It's important to warn any kids out there or future parents on how to properly protect their kids. This was about 10 years ago when I was about 8 years old. The story takes place in Bulgaria, a country in Eastern Europe just north of Greece and Turkey. The story will not contain names, only letters, as I would like to keep the anonymity of the participants in the story. Also, the story contains heavy violence and near-death experience. My village that I grew up in originally was a very small village where everyone knew everyone. Narrow roads and a simple narrow design. Nowadays, it's heavily invested into by millionaires who keep building hotels and houses on the available lands. But that's besides the point. The point is that it was a small village and our childish curiosity got the better of us. We were allowed to go outside and play by ourselves from a very early age. My best friend and two girls were present in the events of the story. I should mention that the village was built right next to a beach. That is why it's now a very famous tourist destination. We were bathing in the sea at night because even though our parents warned us to not go swimming at night, we still did because we were just very troublesome kids. While swimming and having water fights, one of the girls suggested that we should go beyond the premises of the village. Back then, the furthest point in the village and the most isolated one is right next to the main beach. It's a camping site for tourists full of bungalows and camping sites that are designed to contain up to a thousand people. So it's quite a huge camp. In order to go beyond, we had to go through it. We had snuck up into the camp multiple times, as one time one of the bigger kids in the village managed to break open a point in the fence alongside the east side of the campsite. Up until that point, we had to jump over the 4-meter fence, 13 feet for Americans. So we snuck in, which isn't even the main part of the story, but I had to share how extreme and exciting it was to sneak around the bungalows under the windows so we didn't get spotted. Once we reached the other end of the camp, we had managed to jump over the fence and continued on. Onwards, it was just forest, and pretty much the unknown. I had been taken outside the premises one or two times with my dad in order to go fishing, but never really on the shore. Now, I know I'm making it seem more mysterious, but in reality it's a huge area of trees right next to the main highway to the next village alongside the coastline of Bulgaria. But back then it was unknown grounds for a bunch of kids. We decided to have a hide-and-seek game. Our version had a twist though. 
That is, it wasn't enough for you to get spotted. You had to get chased around and get caught by the Seeker. And then you became the Seeker yourself to search for the rest. Again, it was only dark woods around, nothing else. I had lost the wrong paper-scissors game, and I got to be the first Seeker. Up until that point, I didn't really sense anything weird, but that was perhaps because I was too intrigued into the game. I counted and then started searching. Singing to myself as I went, I started jogging around the woods. I found my friend who we'll call M for short. M was a sweet girl, and still is. She's like the moral side of our group. She was quite a shy kid and she just stood there next to me instead of actually helping me search. Her hiding spot was quite basic, so I found her in a really short time. For the others, well, they were more experienced, so it took longer. Actually, around an hour before I found them. Yeah, we really liked our hide and seek. Eventually, I found the last one, my best friend who we'll call H, who had covered himself with a bunch of mud. Pretty creative, I might say. Well, we had started heading back, but we couldn't. We had gone so far out deep that we didn't even know where we were. The whole group then started panicking. However, I proposed the idea that we find the beach and go along it, and eventually we'll be back. They agreed, and we started heading to the coastline. However, we had then seen about five or six shadows amongst the far trees walking around. They were mummering something. The most likely thing was that they were drug dealers, which were quite common for this area, but this secluded? They stopped. They were still. One of them shouted a very rough, Hey, go catch them! And then two other new shadows started running from the other side. I had started hearing a lot of footsteps around me. I was startled. I got an intense adrenaline rush at that point, and I was scared for my life, so instinctively that I dashed towards the woods. I didn't even know where I was running to. I just ran. I kept hearing shouts behind me, but I just kept running. I ran for around 10 minutes straight in a sprint, avoiding trees along the way. Then a 10-minute jog until I saw the familiar sight of the rusty green fence in the distance. I jumped over, ignored all shouts from the residents of the bungalows, avoided the fat security man, and ended up in the village playground. I then sat on the bench. I didn't know where the others were, and I didn't even know what the damn time was. I just wanted to rest. Around 10 minutes later, I had heard familiar voices. It was my group, the full group. Age explained that they followed the original plan as the majority of the people started chasing me for some reason. He said that six or seven of the men started running after me and then just completely ignored them until they were then spotted by the four men that stayed behind. They made the run for the beach where they went down the steep hill and then the men eventually gave up on doing the same. They actually followed my plan and got there without a scratch. I was happy, yet confused as to why particularly me. Maybe because I ran first but it didn't look like an ordinary drug deal. Why would they make the trouble to chase after a bunch of kids instead of calling them off like every other adult? It was a terrifying experience that truly showed me what my body's capable of if it really wants to. I actually got a huge grounding, 
as it was apparently around 2 o'clock in the morning when I came home. My grandparents filed a missing report and squads of police cars were out looking for us, yet I didn't mutter a word. Not a single person that knows me personally knows of this except for our little group, which then grew in size as we got older, yet only the original people involved knew. It wasn't mutual. I didn't tell them not to tell. Somehow we all knew it just felt wrong to report it, and we were pretty much all on the same page. So yeah, that was a pretty damn scary experience for us kids. The story happened around seven years ago when I was in the sixth grade. For some context, I was about 11 at the time, and I was living around Denver, Colorado at the time of this story. I'm also a girl. There's going to be about six other girls in the story, but only four are really important. I'll be using letters to address them. K, E, J, and I'm A. It was K's birthday, and it was summertime. She had me, E, and J, and I, and I think about three other girls over for her birthday for a sleepover. It was still warm out, so we were going to sleep in a giant 10-person-sized tent in her backyard. The layout of their house was that the house itself was right up against the right side of the property line, which left a gap on the left side of their house, meaning you could walk from the front yard to the backyard, and there were no gates to block you. Behind Kay's house were some trees and a creek, if I'm remembering correctly. At the time, I was best friends with Jay, so me and her arrived together, and my parents dropped us off. All of us girls had spent the day running around and having fun, being typical preteen girls. Once it got darker out, we decided to play hide-and-seek in the dark in Kay's backyard and the woods around it. We had made a rule, though, that you couldn't go so far into the trees that you weren't able to see the house, just to make it safe and fair that way. It was one of the three girls' turn to count, so K.E.J. and I ran into the woods to hide. Me and Jay hid together, and we were laid down behind a bigger log in the woods. We were laying so still so we wouldn't make any noise, and so was everyone else. It was so quiet that you could only hear the girl who was counting. Eventually, the girl who was seeking us walked into the woods and walked around us, before then running back towards the house without finding us. We then heard her find another girl on the side of Kay's house and had heard them screaming and laughing. All of a sudden, I had felt Jay grab my hand really hard and then mouth the words, Listen. I closed my eyes and I listened to try and hear what she was talking about when I heard it heavy and large-sounding footsteps coming from behind us in the woods. We got scared and started screaming, and so did the other girls. We all ran inside the house, not sure if we imagined it or if we were really just scaring each other. Eventually, we all went back out, and we got into the tent for the night. We all had flashlights, and were playing truth or dare, and talking about our crushes or whatever else we were doing when we then heard distant footsteps running in the woods. They kept getting closer and closer until they ran right by our tent, right against the side of Kay's house and what sounded like into the street. He was scared and started crying, but Jay and I assured her it was okay. Everyone wanted to know what it was, 
and I was volunteered to stick my head out of the tent to try and see who was running around. I unzipped the tent, and I climbed outside. I made Jay come with me just to have another person to confirm if I saw something. We walked around the side of Kay's house, and then froze in our tracks. In the middle of the road, right in front of Kay's house, was a man around 6 foot to 6 foot 3, and he was wearing a clown mask and white gloves. We didn't even move, we just stared at him. He slowly tilted his head to the side and shrugged his shoulders at us. We ran back into the tent and then zipped it shut. This tent had a lock on the zipper, so we locked it as well. We told Kay to call her parents, but she couldn't because it was around midnight by this point, and her parents were already in bed, and they had also been drinking a lot, so wouldn't really be in the mood to help us. We heard footsteps approaching, and then stopped right outside of our tent. We just watched as he tried to undo the zipper, but when he realized it wouldn't move, he stopped. We then heard a second set of footsteps coming from the woods, and then stand at the back of our tent, which now meant that two strangers were on either side of our tent, and we couldn't do anything about it. We were just dead silent, hoping they'd go away. He was sitting by one of the mesh windows in the tent that had a cover on it, and she had lifted it a little to see outside and try and figure out who it was. As soon as she lifted it, the second man in the clown mask was nailed down and looking right behind her through the window. She dropped the cover again, and we all huddled in the middle of the tent. We didn't want to call the police because we didn't want them to know that, and we didn't want them to run away before the cops could catch them, as we didn't want them coming back. So we stayed huddled up like that in the tent for not even kidding like three hours. They had begun to walk in circles around our tent and periodically punch, kick, and drag the tent and also put an object near it and whatever it was sounded sharp. At the 3 a.m. mark, no one could sleep or move and I was so tired of this. I then grabbed my phone and called 911. As soon as they had picked up, I then yelled out that I'd called the cops on the phone and they better get the fuck away before they get here. I went to go talk to the operator and explain the situation when the loudest and most sinister laughing came from both of the men. It felt like we were surrounded by it as they were still circling our tent. Eventually, I was able to let the operator know what was happening and where we were. She had me stay on the line as we waited for the police to show up. After what felt like forever, we heard the distant sounds of police sirens. Right as they were close to pulling up to Kay's house, the walking then stopped, and right by the window again, we heard in a deep hiss of a voice, I hope you know we're coming back, before the footsteps took off into the woods. The cops helped us out of the tent, and had searched the woods for some time trying to see if they could find them, but had no luck. I forgot to mention, but by this point, Kay's parents had been outside already, and they were talking to the cops as well. We had all of our parents come get us right then, and I never went back to Kay's house after that experience. Needless to say, I do not like clowns anymore at all. This happened when I was 15. I know that some people will blame me for what happened. And while I could have done things differently, I think we should be able to make mistakes without risking someone taking advantage of our naivety. 
At my hometown, there was a cycle path. It stretched for about 25 miles with lots of exits along the way. I liked to walk for a mile or three on it before heading home. It was never overcrowded, but you would pass many cyclists during the day, especially in the summer. It was the end of October, approaching Halloween, and I had a week off for school for October break. It was a Thursday afternoon, around 1 to 2 p.m., and it wouldn't be dark until half past 6 in the evening. I decided to go for a walk on my own because I had felt comfortable doing so. This was something that I did regularly, alone or with friends and family. I've probably walked that cycle path hundreds of times. It was overcast but not raining. I popped one headphone in, leaving my other ear free. I had my coat on, and my headphones were underneath my buttoned coat, if that makes sense. My iPod was in my jeans pocket. Yeah, that's how old this story is. I was walking along, just chilling, when I had noticed a man up ahead. There was a little bridge on the path, basically just some railings with some stream underneath it. The man was leaning over the railings and peering down into the water. I didn't really think much of it. He had a long brown coat on and dark brown boots. He had gray hair and looked like he was in his mid to late 50s. He had a beard too, but I don't know how to describe it. He just looked like a normal dude. He must have heard me coming because he then turned and glanced at me. As I approached, I began to feel uneasy, but I didn't know why. I felt like he was somehow watching me in his peripheral vision, but I can't be 100% sure of that. When I got to him, I was able to walk past with no issue. My headphones were tucked away, and my hair was long, so I didn't think he knew I had my headphones in. I turned my music all the way down by this point just to be safe. I should mention by now that I'm a female. I knew it could be dangerous to be alone and to always be cautious of others, but again, I had felt secure on this path. I continued walking when I suddenly heard the man call out behind me. Excuse me! I turned around, not knowing what to expect, and I looked at him. I didn't even ask him what he wanted. I just remember staring at him because I had a weird feeling. The man was grinning at me, and he asked me if I was enjoying my walk. I remember nodding and giving him that awkward half-smile people do with strangers. Well, what happened next was utterly disgusting. The man still grinning opened his coat, and to my complete shock, he was totally naked underneath, balls and all. I have no idea if his coat had buttons, but he just fiddled with the belt and flung it open. He was skinny and tall, and he just stood there grinning at me like a creep. I didn't move right away because I was in such shock. I was petrified and I felt so vulnerable and mortified. I'd never seen a naked man before, and whilst I knew about flashers, I didn't expect to ever encounter one. I felt sick with terror as I just stood there, frozen. My mind was blank. I remember thinking, what the fuck? But not being able to think straight from the fear. I felt so scared, and the man wasn't moving either. He was just standing and grinning. When he moved his hands, 
I finally snapped to my senses and then turned to run. I knew that if I ran, I could reach the little pathway that would take me to the main road and would emerge from the trees to a bus stop. I could then run to my street and I'd be more visible on the road. I just ran and I have no idea if he followed me or not. When I got to the main road, I dared to look behind me and saw nothing. I didn't stop running though until I was in my garden and I just sat on the steps leading up to my front door. I wasn't ready to go into my house just yet and there was still no sign of the creepy man. I just sat on the steps and just cried. I felt really embarrassed and ashamed even though it was him who did wrong. I couldn't get his creepy grin out of my mind. I sat on that step for like 30 minutes. I didn't have any tissues or water, so once I stopped crying, I waited for my eyes to not look so puffy. I remember taking my iPod out and looking at myself in the front camera and trying to make myself not look like I'd been crying. I had decided that I couldn't tell my parents because I was just way too embarrassed. They would have killed the guy, and they wouldn't have blamed me at all, but I still felt so guilty. My parents had noticed I was quieter, but they never knew the truth as to why, and they never guessed. A few years passed, and when I was 17, it was on the news that a flasher had been caught after two women on that same cycle path had claimed a man had flashed at them. They'd called the police and ran away from him, and the police caught him wandering around the bushes just off the path. The story sounded eerily familiar to what I went through. He just whipped his coat off, and he was naked under it. He then began touching himself as the women ran away. I really feel guilty for not reporting him. Maybe if I did, those women wouldn't have been subjected to his weirdo fetish. But I was just a kid, and I was scared. I never had something like that happen to me before, and I just didn't know what to do about it. It's really difficult sometimes to know what you'll do in a situation like that until it happens. I can't remember if the men went to jail or not, because I remember feeling too freaked out to follow the case. I remember my parents talking about it, and I just stayed quiet and tried not to act suspiciously. Even now, I'm way too scared to Google it. I don't know if anything would come up anyway. I'm in my mid-twenties now, and this memory rears its head every so often. Even to this day, I still haven't shared this story with anyone until now. I just don't want to risk anyone telling me it was my own fault for going walking on my own, using headphones and not reporting him. I know that people might hear this story and say these things, but that doesn't bother me. It's the thought that the people I care about could think these things. That's what keeps me quiet. I advise everyone to be very careful when going out anywhere. If you're walking on any secluded paths, just be aware of your surroundings. Be prepared to run if the situation requires it, and always listen to your gut and be wary of strangers. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember, to always...